Hey everybody, it's Kurt Graves, narrator of the Green Creek series and host of the Clunatics podcast. I just got done talking to TJ Clune for an Instagram Live all about the Green Creek series, and specifically the fourth and final book in that series, Brother Song, which comes out, if you're listening to this right away, tomorrow, October 13th, 2020. If you're listening to this in the future, welcome. We're glad you found us. And that's all I'm going to say. Let's just get right into the conversation I had with TJ. Hi. Did it work? It worked. Woohoo. You, you, you sound very, very um, through a microphone right yes. now. Well, yeah. I, I am, in fact, speaking into a microphone right now. That is crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Hi, everybody. Hi. Hi, Ms. Dre. I saw you. And. Some other people going through, and all of you guys. Good, 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 good. We'll give it a minute or two for it to for everybody to get join in and, and hanging out. Hi, that's good. Well, how are you? Are you excited? Oh, well, I guess you're not really. You don't really have to do anything for like two more weeks, but <laughs> or really expect anything for like two more weeks. Yeah, I don't, and yeah. I don't really expect that much when that comes around either. <laughs> Well, I, I, I think you should. I think you should set your expectations up just maybe just a little bit. <laughs> well, good? I mean, to be fair, the book is like 40 hours long. So even in two weeks, I'll have a few days to wait. How, how long is it really? Uh, 17? Really? No, really, it's 19 hours and 42 minutes. Oh, is this a spoiler-free space? This is a spoiler-free space for Brother Song. This is for Brother Song. We will not be giving anything away. However, I cannot make promises that we won't be talking about Wolf Song or, or Raven Song or, or Heart Song or any of the short stories that I released. So if you do not want to be spoiled potentially for those or if you haven't read them yet and you still found yourself here for some reason, <laughs> go. you can leave. Because um, we, we, I don't want to try to censor us in, 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 so we can talk about what we want. Plus, let's be honest, the first book has been out for four years. So <laughs> so just keep that in mind. So we will probably be talking. Also, so how this is going to go is Kurt and I are just going to have a chat for a little bit about um, the series itself. And I want to talk about his recording process and all of that fun stuff. And then we will do a, um, Kurt will be doing a reading ooh, uh, towards towards the back half. Um, and because it's so much better when he does it because, um, yes, we'll save this live stream. And also Kurt is recording this. And if you follow with the Clunatic podcast, he will upload this later as an episode for the Clunatic podcast. So, yes, it will be recorded. Um, so he will, he's going to do a reading towards the back half of this. We'll go on for an hour. And then uh, we'll save some time for any questions, if you guys, if we can see any. Um, hi, hello from Italy. It's nice to see you. Thank you for showing up. It must be super late there. Um, so we this can go on for an hour, because I remember the very first time I did, um, <laughs> I did an Instagram Live, and I did not know that it was only an hour, and it started counting down, and I was like, what the hell is going on? That was with my new publisher, so it was like they put um, their face in me and then I had to go and <laughs> ruin it like that. But you've learned so, so much yeah. since then. I mean, you've done so many of these. I know. Like I'm really a freaking pro at all this crap now. I yeah. just, um, it's, it's okay. It'll be good. It'll be good. So, so Kurt, you have been with me since the beginning of these books, um, at least in terms of the publication process, because you were the, the out of, out of, However many auditions, you were the 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 narrator I chose um, to do a little book called Wolf Song. And in case in case the people watching don't know, would you tell them how many books audio books you had done at, by that point? Sure, sure. Um, give me a second to go through them in yeah. my head. Yeah, uh, it was zero. I had done zero, zero. audio books. You had not done any audio books at that point in time. And I did not know that, but it, I remember it coming down between you and, and one other person. And I chose you because of a voice of a character you did, but I can't remember which character, what character was it? Was it, it was Gordo. I chose you because of your Gordo voice. 
And because I knew potentially that we'd be going in a, in a different direction uh, or I, I would potentially be continuing the story. And I figured that if you could handle Gordo for that one scene that you auditioned with, maybe you can handle him for a whole book. <laughs> so why don't you But you put a lot of faith in somebody who had no idea what they were doing. So Yeah. <laughs> and man, I will say, I did not regret that choice when I found out it was your first book. I was like, oh, okay. Because I remember don't need to mention the former publisher, but um, I remember they, they emailed me and said, yeah, this would be his first book. And I was like, oh, <laughs> but then I remembered someone took a chance on me and published my first book. So why don't I take a chance on somebody else? And obviously you're even, even then not having done an audio book, you are very, very talented. And um, so how, how, this was the gay werewolf book to you, wasn't it? Uh-huh. Is that, is that how you, how you um, got around to this? Yeah, I think the part that attracted me the most was actually the werewolf part, more like the, the world building and the mythology part of it. I, I don't even know that I realized at first that it was gay because the audition would have been those first few pages where there's no there's no gay stuff happening. Oh yeah, and the first scene is it's, it's when he's a kid. It's when Ox is yeah. a kid with his dad, and that really awful "you're going to get shit all your life" scene. Yeah, so I've tried and, to think and, back, not knowing anything about the former publisher, not knowing whether or not they would have said that explicitly as part of the audition, and certainly not as part of the audition script. Would that have been made clear to me? And I remember yeah, I didn't even you, I didn't even follow you on Twitter until I was editing the book. <laughs> I I didn't even know if you were male or female or anywhere in between. I just thought in fact I think I assumed you were a female writer using a TJ as a as a pseudonym. Um yeah, and then and I you would not be the first person that thought that. I got I get that <laughs> So I I I struggle to even remember if I knew it was a gay werewolf book or if I just knew it was a werewolf book or if I even knew that. I don't know. Back then, I was auditioning for just about everything. <laughs> I feel so special. Thank you so much. Sorry. No, it's, good have, it's good to have you because in case I ever start feeling my ego getting too high, you can just, <laughs> just like punch it right back down. It's I do consider fun. that to be part of my mission in life. <laughs> it is. It is your job. You, you, you keep my head out of the clouds, and no matter how um, how how successful I become, you're always there to remind me that <laughs> I was trying out for any old goddamn book. It doesn't even matter. <laughs> back then, back then, it wasn't a big deal for me because yeah, of what okay, I didn't was, know. Now I know more. Four years ago. Yeah, that was four years ago. How many books have you done between then and now? How many audiobooks have? In counting Brother Song 2, so let's say up until that comes out, how many, what number would that be? Do you know? I don't know how many have made it out, but I know I've recorded 70. Over 70. 70. Yeah. And you guys think I'm freaking prolific. Look at this motherfucker right here. Yeah. Going 70 in three, four years. That's hardcore, man. That's that's not even a lot based on some people's <laughs> pro- proficiency. Because I had a very slow but start. You, you are also... And for those that don't know, it's kind of like a behind-the-scenes kind of thing. There's certain um, – I'll throw them under the bus just a little. Michael Leslie takes his time with with recording the stories. He, he is very – I don't want to say slow because that doesn't sound right. He's very um, – watches the bottom line. Very con- he, he goes all in. Kurt, you go all in, but you turn it around like – Man, yeah. you, your, your production time is crazy. How Okay, so let's use Brother Song for an example. How long did it take you to record this 19-hour um, audiobook? I don't know that I want to tell people because it sounds bad when you put it that way. Okay, well, what do we say? What do it, we say? No, because t- no, it, it doesn't get better. Um, <laughs> I... I I originally budgeted about 14 days for recording Brother Song. But then, as you know, yeah. because of the, the how long things are taking on the production side lately, Tantor, the company that's producing the book, asked if I could start sooner. 
And in order to do that, I had to shorten my production time by half. So I recorded it in seven days. But here's the thing, though. You don't sacrifice quality at any point. Like Michael can take, he's good. And he takes the time he needs to do what he wants to do with it. And you are on just on a different track. You, t- you are, your quality is just the same. But how, how, how long are your work days when you're recording something like this? Because a nearly 20 hour audio book you recorded in a week. I mean, first you have to figure, you have to read the book. That comes before. Yeah, that came but before. But then you have to see. Then you have to see all the ways that I throw you under the bus by saying, oh, look, here's certain characters, not in, I won't spoil, but yeah. So it, how, 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 how do you do that? So I wouldn't choose to do that again. And I don't know yeah. that I would choose to do it for anybody else in any other situation. <laughs> for, so authors who are out there who are working through Tantor, don't be like, oh, just go ask Kurt if he can do it sooner. Because the answer for most people is going to be no. But I really, really did want to try to get this out on release day. And even though that ended up not being possible, like it would have been later. So, and that's, and that's just just to everybody know the the audio book comes out October twenty seventh, two weeks from tomorrow. And the reason being is pandemic. Like like pretty much everyone else, um, Tantor is all working from home, and and Kurt doesn't send them the book like in order. It, it's not like it's not like here's beginning, middle, and end for the yeah. entire book, just all put together. He sends them basically over raw footage and then they edit it together and put it all together and produce it and, and, and make it work. So um, with that amount of work and nobody's actually in an office like we used to be in the before times, mm-hmm. uh, has to do everything from home like everybody else. So the 27th of October was the soonest possible date they could get it out. So yeah. um that that I'm very fortunate that they decided that they agreed to put it out that quickly because initially I think that they were talking about longer than that and I was getting horrible flashbacks of, of <laughs> me delaying brother song once and you, then me delaying brother song again and it's just you jinxed it. I have an email. I, I have an email where you were like, "This book will come out on this date," and my reply was something like, "Well." I'll wait and see, because I am I am permanently jinxed with these books. Right. Well, to be fair, that wasn't my fucking fault. No. <laughs> I, I had to get a crappy publisher, and then I got a new publisher. Both of them wanted delays, and whatever. The the point right now is that this book actually comes out tomorrow, and that is insane. That is absolutely insane to think about because it honestly felt like for a time that we would never actually get here yeah. and that I would never actually get here and, and get to see this book come out. And, um, I don't know. It's, it's still surreal. Like it hasn't really hit me yet tomorrow morning. I'm going to, every time the night before a book comes out, I, I always sleep like crap. It's yeah. just, it's going to happen tonight. I know it's going to happen, but t- tomorrow morning, right. As soon as I crawl out of bed, I'm just going to be like, Holy shit. It's, finally here and i just i don't know i don't know how i'm going to feel about that because i'm 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 relieved in a way that it's over because you have to know and they say this with all of my all of my love to people watching and the people that that love these characters y'all put some really hefty expectations on me (laughs) that can be and that can that can be taxing. It can be tiring. It, it's the best thing in the world. Listen to me bitching about my first world problems, right. about people loving my books too much. Your life is so hard, have, right? When you have the weight of that kind of expectation, it can be it can be taxing. And um, and knowing that I did as I always do and wrote the book for myself and not for anybody else, it's it's. I can I can say this. I know for a fact that there's going to be. There's going to be a certain group. I'm not going to say who specifically because I'm going to think I even know specifically, but there's going to be people that are upset with some of the decisions that I made in this book. And I'm totally okay with that because I, I didn't do it to, to be evil. I did it just because it was in service of the characters and in service of the story. And I think that that 
is something that that some people tend to forget when it comes to these particular books. I don't I don't write for anyone else but myself and these characters. And yeah, I think you might subconsciously be a sadist, though. As much as you're like, I didn't do it for them. I think a little there's there's got to be like ten percent of you that takes joy in knowing what you do to people. Oh, there's, 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 when I get to a certain, okay, let's do this. I rarely talked about heart song yeah. because what a, that book just came out um, last October, but it came out in a time that was very difficult given the prior publisher that I worked with. The book was supposed to come out in August and then, um, was that right? August? No, it was supposed to come out in September. And then Brother Song was supposed to come out in in December. And then that whole freaking thing blew up. And um, I, I had to rush to get all my books republished. I had to rush to, to, to get Heart Song, get ready for that to go, and, and got it published. And by the time it came out, I was just so tired. I was so, so tired because that level of stress leading up to that was just out of this world now. It was out of this world. So I never really got the chance to talk about Heart Song. So for everybody watching that read Heart Song and those first 100, 150 pages, you were like, what the fuck is going on? And what is this? And is 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 TJ misremembering his own plot and his own characters and his own timeline? I laughed. At all of you doing <laughs> what I was doing, I was laughing so hard because that was probably the one and only time that there was a sustained period of writing where I was laughing because I knew what was going to happen with the readers when they got to that point. And Robbie's book, that whole thing with, with again, Spoilers, leave if you don't want to hear from this. Um, uh, that whole thing with amnesia. I've been wanting to write an amnesia book for a super long time, but I felt like, oh, okay, everybody's kind of, it's, it's, a, it's a romance trope. It's a trope that happens, and, and I read a couple, and I was kind of like, eh, I don't know. And I, was, and I was thinking of making it contemporary. I'm doing something where some two people, one person has an accident and doesn't remember his partner, and you know, drama, drama, drama. But then when I was plotting out Brother or Raven Song, and I started with Raven Song, I was thinking, huh, what am I going to do with Robbie? And I looked over, and I have I have these this this um, for the Green Creek stuff. I have this. I used to have this little wall of like post-it notes that I would just to keep track of everything when I was doing the plotting for it before I put everything on on uh, a spreadsheet. And I don't remember doing it. I don't remember when I'd written it, but I'd written the word amnesia with a question mark and just like <laughs> stuck it up in the corner. And I was like, and then I was like, Oh, Robbie could. Oh my God, Robbie could. <laughs> and that whole came like, I don't know that I've ever been prouder of pulling a rug out from underneath people than I was with, with, um, heart song because that brought me joy. Yeah. And that brought me happiness to do something like that. But enough about me. What's your favorite book of mine? Well, of the Green Creek Church. <laughs> no, I, uh, I I do want to talk about Heartstong a little bit because I'm okay. I've talked to so many people about that experience, uh, which unfortunately I did not get to have because somebody was so excited about this idea that he told me the plot of the book like a year before it was out. <laughs> and you, you, you and that, and then you and you and, and Michael and and. and um, <laughs> Uh, Morgan of uh, Shadows, what I told him now. I have to. I have to, I have to ruin your days. It's what I do. Yeah, yeah. It's so like it's supposed to bring you along this backshit crazy express that you guys used to ride with you. I understand from the readers that it was an enjoyable experience to have that, uh, to go in blind, but. I don't know. I wouldn't know. Um, no, you're, you're <laughs> my favorite, but I think it's always going to be the last one, like the most recent one. So like brother song will now be my favorite. You think mm -hmm. that's, that's, no, that's fair. Um, I, I flip flop a lot. I like, I, I know in my heart of heart that, that Raven song and Gordo are, are my, are my top, but, 
Then I think about certain moments in, in some of the other books and it was, it was, um, I don't know. First, what, what about, what was the hardest book to record either in terms of story, in terms of character, in terms of, uh, the technicalities behind it? What was the hardest one for you to actually record? Technically the most difficult was heart song. Um, cause, well, cause there's, there's a lot of moving parts in that, including like the, the third of the way through reveal. Uh, that necessitated mm-hmm. some, I, like, I, I still don't, don't know exactly what I did. Cause it was just like, well, I have to figure out how, how this person becomes that person. And hopefully once people know they can look back at the first third of the book and realize that there was some connective tissue between the person we didn't yet know he was back then if any of that makes sense so that was technically difficult um also robbie's accent was technically difficult anytime robbie and gordo speak to each other i want to wring your neck not that it's your fault because i gave them those accents but i have nobody to blame but you did i tell you to make robbie from boston no no um but i am i have nobody else to blame so you get it and yeah. uh yeah so Har- i would say heart song was technically the most the most difficult what was your favorite one to record not not even just because you liked the story better or just because it was either you had fun or you just felt like you were in a groove with it mm-hmm. in recording it was it was brother song it's this latest one because you know if, there's a there's no even with the condensed timeline yeah because I truly enjoyed it. I mean, it was hard work, but they're always going to be hard work. And that's okay. Yeah. Um, you yeah, know, guys, guys, everybody watching, you could, you could probably understand how, how like, say, contemporary romance would be hard to record. But when you're doing, like, a paranormal romance that, A, not only has a shit ton of characters, but has a shit ton of characters with extensive backstory that, that the, the, the narrator can take into consideration when they're making the voice. Like I am in awe that you were able to do this at all. <laughs> I don't. I don't know how you can do this kind of thing. Somebody just asked a question. Do you find Kelly's voice hard to emote with? Sometimes, yeah. Because I, I, I made the decision very early on before I knew there would be a series that you know Kelly was the more stoic of the two brothers, and and Carter was in my mind just sort of like the dumb jock. Um, and so in both cases, I had to take some liberties in later books to expand them a little bit. Mm-hmm. Like Carter, I mean, uh, Carter, like the narration of this next book in Carter's voice is not going to be like what every piece of dialogue Carter has said in previous books sounded like, because that would get so annoying. <laughs> Right. The way I the way I voiced him is like this big dumb jock the whole like that wouldn't work. He needed to become more of a person for this book. He needed to have more layers, more levels than he's ever had before. And to be fair too, when when you're talking about Carter as a character, what you've seen of him before is what you've seen through the eyes of Ox mm-hmm. and then what you've seen through the eyes of Gordo. And what you've seen through the eyes of Robbie, somebody who didn't end up knowing him. But Ox, you have somebody who's the same age as him. And Ox is, to some people, to some cruel people, Ox was dumb as well. That's mm-hmm. what they thought of him. And then you had you had uh, Gordo, who is, you know, 15, 20 years older than they are. And having to see um, Carter basically as a kid seeing him as a child and then, you know, them Thomas being an asshole and fucking off back to, to Maine and then coming back later. I just like, that was a whole history, uh, like a whole family history in like two seconds. Mm-hmm. But then you have, you have him coming back and, and he sees Carter as a, as a teenager and he's watching him grow older. Then you have Robbie who doesn't know who the fuck Carter is when the book comes around to it. So yeah, it, I think it would be, I think it's interesting that, you know, you could assume Carter is one way and a lot of people did because he was there always with the quip and always with the, the funny one liner, always there with protective, being protective of Kelly and Joe and Ox. And to be honest, I don't think that you really got to see 
Carter for who he was until maybe Raven Song when he was when he was turning into an Omega and he mm-hmm. had um, when they were in the basement and he was talking to Kelly. I remember I remember writing that scene when he is basically telling Kelly, "I love you and I I, I can't do this without you." And um, I remember thinking, "Oh, this is Carter. This is you know I've seen him be mm. protective. I've seen him be funny. I've seen him be an asshole." But just seeing his moment of um, vulnerability really brought me new appreciation for that character and for the fact that that we now get to have an entire book of that vulnerability is just so freaking cool because Carter is so much more complex than he first seems. Yeah. He is so more vastly complicated. And I think that, you know, heaven willing, y'all like the book, that, that you'll be able to see that because he is, um, he's a tremendously powerful character in ways that people will not expect, I think, is the best way I can put that. And is he the smartest character in the world? No. Are any of them? No, probably mm. not. But, um, and it, it, you know, he's not the brightest bulb in the box, but you know what he is? He's, he is just, He's street smart instead of book smart, I think is the best yeah. way I can put it for him. And and he is he is just a a a lovely, lovely character who obviously made a terrible but a terrible decision at the end of Heart Song, but he did it for the right reasons, if that makes sense. Yeah, so I would say I that this whole series would have been very boring if any of these people were good at making decisions. Right. Because it because I mean they're <laughs> Like Rico does, he's a werewolf. He can do backflips anytime he wants to now. Mm-hmm. But if 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 that's all that they were, if they were all paranormal and hot and cool and suave and 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 you know that would get so boring. <laughs> that would get so boring. What I love about them is yes, they make stupid mistakes all the freaking time, and that's what makes them so human. Even though they can do werewolf stuff, yeah. and I, that's what I like about that because. I, as as you probably all know by now, imperfect characters are so much more interesting than perfect characters. And I just, I don't, I, I never wanted to write a perfect character, which is why I deconstructed Thomas Bennett the way I did in Raven Song, because I didn't want to buy into my own hype of that character. And I wanted to turn it around and, and show it from a different perspective. And now, like this, this whole series has come down to this one final book that basically shows both the good and the bad side of Thomas Bennett. And were mm-hmm. you expecting Thomas to be in this book as much as he is? No spoilers, but just say. Um, yeah, talk about that. Well, again, I think you told me about it. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, I I I think what you told me about Thomas. Uh, was that his story would have a resolution in this book that people wouldn't expect. And I think that's all I can say mm-hmm. without yeah. spoiling how he is a part of this story and, and the ways we see him. Um, I will say there's a very special Thomas moment that I I saved for myself until the very, very end of recording. Ooh. So I actually... I actually recorded most of the book in six days, and then the seventh day was just recording those last few pages that I saved for myself um, because I wanted to be fresh for that for that moment. Good. I'm glad. I'm glad you had that. And I, I see. I've seen comics people <laughs> debating Thomas's goodness or badness. And look. You are allowed, obviously, as a reader to dislike Thomas Bennett as a character. I have moments when I dislike him, too. But obviously, being who I am, I know more about him as a character. And um, I am, uh, you'll be able to see a lot more of what I, what I know and what Kurt now knows. And if you still dislike him at the end, that's perfectly valid because he while I think he tried to be a good person, he trusted the wrong people and, and let himself, let his role as the alpha go, not necessarily to his head, but become the focus of all his thoughts. And he, he um, made mistakes because of that. And I think that I, even though I still have very vastly complicated feelings about Thomas Bennett in the end, 
knowing what I do and what you'll know starting tomorrow. Um, I love, I love how messy he is. I love him mm-hmm. as a character. I love that he would, he, he would have done anything for his children. Um, even if it meant hurting them and it, it's, I don't know. There's just sort of something so interesting about those type characters that, that are like that characters that, that you want to be better than they actually are because, but they're not because they're human, just like everyone else, you know? And it, it's, it's fascinating to me that, that there's such a, a dissonance between who he was in Wolf Song and who he is now in this book. Um, but let's move on to, uh, let's talk about Gabbett. Okay. We, we haven't really, um, Gavin briefly shows himself at the end of Heart Song. And when you were reading, when you were recording Heart Song and you were, you were doing the few lines that Gavin has, were you forward thinking at that point, knowing that there was going to be the next book coming out and, and how you were going to make his voice sound through the remainder of the, through the last book? Or were you just focusing on just getting that part done? <laughs> um, a little column A, a little column B. <laughs> I was mm-hmm. definitely at that point needed to get the book done because I know that one I finished like on the day it was due. Um, but also, you know, he had just shifted out of his wolf form for the first time and who knew how many years he'd been with the Bennetts for years. So I could sort of get away with just having his voice sound like scratchy and unused, not knowing what his voice would be in future books, if we would get more of a description of what he sounds like, um, which we didn't really get much of if, sorry if that's a spoiler, uh, but there's not a, a, a long description of what he physically sounds like in the final book. Um, so there was, there was certainly room to play, but I didn't know that when I was finishing heart song. Was it, was it, was he an easy character for you to inhabit to, to actually, make the make the voice come out of you um it was because of the way you wrote him and we'll leave it yeah yeah (laughs) Um, yeah the way you wrote him gave me the cues i needed and and it you know i don't think this spoils anything but it's not about an accent it's not about a, a tone it's more like i you wrote his cadence so clearly that i didn't have to worry about I didn't have to worry about doing much of a voice. Right. If you've done, if you've read, um, heart song, you saw how, how Gavin spoke at the end. And you have to think he has been a feral wolf for a long time and just how long you'll find out and blah, 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 blah. Mm -hmm. But, um, and so you have to think about how hard it would be to like come back to yourself and then try to speak when you haven't been on, We've been on four legs for God knows how long. And that was the thinking for me was that if, if I wasn't, if, if I had been not myself, if I had been something else for so long, how would it feel to try and talk? How would it feel to, to stand, to move? What would, what would I feel like? What would I sound like? And so when I was writing Gavin's voice, and if you've read Heart Song and you know those, those, those few scenes toward the end where, where he speaks, that's what I ran with because I, I love the idea of him him having to get used to being human again because it um, and then and then adding on top of that that he's a living stone yeah. <laughs> was, was I have to think about okay Gordo's his big brother how would he how would he act like Gordo what, what in what in what ways would they be similar in what ways would they be different would they even sound alike? Did you did you think about that at all with with its relation to to Gordo trying to make them sound anything at all alike, or were you just going with the voice that you found that you thought worked? Um, the pitch that I chose is the same pitch that Gordo has, but nothing else about their speaking is the same because they they didn't grow up together. They wouldn't necessarily have a similar way of speaking, but if they share DNA. They would be pitched in this in the same spot in my 
throat which again this is stuff i think about and i'm thinking like oh this is so clear the, the listeners may be like what the hell is this guy talking about i don't like, <laughs> like no, I it's such a mi- it's probably such a minute difference that only yeah. i am the one who knows it i think i think though that what people can take away from it from that though is just how the, the the amount of thinking that goes from you into into your roles because you are thinking gavin gordo related separated not together not raised together but they have a parent in common this is what gordo sounds like and this is what the pitch would be possibly for gavin if they were even and that that's fascinating to me and i'm so glad that you can pick up on stuff like that because that's 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 absolutely a a wonderful way to look at it because yes they were not raised together so they probably wouldn't end up sounding exactly the same but they still have that connective tissue Mm -hmm. and it's it's um that's very cool. I'm so, that that kind of gave me chills. Ooh, oh, good. That was yeah. very good. Yeah. So, Jesus Christ, it's 37, 3740. <laughs> let us, let Kurt is going to do a reading for us. Yes. Now, Kurt, if, if, if I'm correct me if I'm wrong, but this is from the first chapter, correct? Yes. Okay. So this is the first chapter. So we're not, we're not going into any, anything beyond that. I released the first chapter on my website uh, last week, um, and and I did a reading at a at a, a Facebook thing last week. That was only from the second chapter. So, as of right now, between what I released and what Kurt is about to do, it's only from the first two chapters. So, I wouldn't necessarily worry about spoilers because hell, it's already online, and B, you're going to get the book freaking tomorrow. But Kurt is so good at what he does that it would be, it makes so much more sense to have him do the reading rather than me. So Kurt, go ahead. Okay. Um, I do just want to say why I picked this section is because one of my favorite parts of heart song is I forget who it is. Is it Rico or is it Gordo? Somebody is basically recapping the first two books to another character, but in like two paragraphs. It's Carter to Robbie. Yeah. It, was so ludicrous to have those Mm -hmm. books summed up so shortly um, that when I saw a little bit of that in this book, it just made me smile. And so that's, well, I know what you're going to read. Yeah. yeah. So that's the little, the little (laughs) section from chapter one that I picked. Um, I got to find, I got to find Carter. Jesus fucking Christ. I snapped. Do you have to follow me everywhere? Dude, seriously back off. The timber wolf glared at me. I tilted my head, listening. Everyone was in the house. I could hear Mom and Jesse laughing about something in the kitchen. I jerked my head toward the woods. The timber wolf huffed out a breath. I ran. He followed. I laughed when he nipped at my heels, urging me on, and in my head I pretended I could hear his wolf voice saying, Faster, faster, faster. Must run faster so I can chase, so I can catch you so I can eat you. We went deep into the forest, bypassing the clearing, heading for the furthest reaches of our territory. The wolf never ran ahead, always staying at my side, his tongue lolling out of his mouth. We ran for miles, the scent of spring so green I could taste it. Eventually, I stopped, chest heaving, muscles burning from exertion. I collapsed on the ground, spread-eagled, as the wolf paced around me, head raised, sniffing the air, ears twitching. When he decided there was no threat, he lay down beside me, head on my chest, tail curled over my legs. He huffed out an annoyed breath in my face. I rolled my eyes. Have to keep up appearances. I've got a reputation to maintain. You know how much shit I would get if anyone found out? I flicked his forehead. He growled, baring his teeth. Yeah, yeah. And I wasn't exactly lying. You do follow me everywhere. A man has got to be able to shit in peace without an overgrown dog scratching at the door. You don't see me staring at you when you're squatting in the backyard. He closed his eyes. I flicked him again. Don't ignore me. He opened one eye. For something that wasn't exactly human... He certainly could get his exasperation across. Whatever, man. I'm just saying. He sneezed on me. Fucking asshole, I muttered, wiping my face. Just you wait. You'll get yours. 
Kibble. I'm going to make sure you only get kibble from here on out. Thick clouds passed by overhead. I laughed when a dragonfly landed between his ears, causing them to flatten. The translucent wings fluttered before it flew away. He was a heavy weight upon me. Once, I thought it was crushing. Now it felt like an anchor holding me in place. It should have bothered me more than it did. He grunted, a question without words, his breath hot on my chest through my thin shirt. Same old, same old. Who? How? Why? You know how it is. Who are you? How did you come to be this way? Why can't you shift back? Questions I'd asked over and over again. He grumbled, lips pulling back over his teeth. I know, dude. It's whatever, you know? You'll figure it out when you're ready. Just, maybe that could be sooner rather than later? I mean, would it be so bad if you... Stop growling at me, you dick! Oh, fuck you, man. Don't take that tone with me. He moved his head, nosing at my arm. I ignored him. He pressed harder, more insistent. I sighed. You're spoiled. That's what's wrong here. You think you've got it good? And you do. Maybe too good. But I did what he wanted, resting my hand on top of his head, scratching the backs of his ears. He closed his eyes again as he settled. We were drifting, just the two of us. The world around us turned hazy, the edges like a dream. Hours passed by, and sometimes we dozed, and sometimes we just... were. I said, you can, you know? I said, if you want to. I said, I don't know what happened to you. I said, I don't know where you came from or what you had to deal with. I said, but you're safe here. I said, you're safe with us, with me. We can help you. Ox, he's a good alpha. Joe, too. They could be yours if you wanted. I said, and then maybe I could hear your voice. I mean, totally no homo, but I think it'd be nice. (laughs) He was shaking. I looked at him thinking something was wrong. It wasn't. The motherfucker was laughing at me. I shoved him (laughs) off me, asshole. He rolled over on his back, legs in the air, body wiggling as he scratched himself on the ground. Then he fell to his side, mouth open in a ferocious yawn. Would it be so bad? I whispered, shifting back. You can't stay this way forever. You can't lose yourself to your wolf. You'll forget how to find your way home. He turned his head away from me. I'd pushed enough for the day. I could always try again tomorrow. We had time. I sat up, stretching my arms above my head. His tail thumped on the ground. Okay, so where did we leave off last time? Oh, right. So, Ox and Joe decided it was time for them to mate. Which, honestly, I try not to think about because... That's my little brother, you know? And if I do think about it, it makes me want to punch Ox in the mouth because that's my little brother. But what the fuck do I know, right? So, Ox and Joe, well, you know, bone. And it was weird and, oh, so gross because I could feel it. Oh, shut up. I didn't mean like that. I meant I could feel it when their mate bond formed. We all could. It was like this, this light burning in all of us. Mom said she's never heard of a pack having two alphas before, but it made sense that it happened with us because of how crazy we already are. Ox is... Well, he's Ox, right? Werewolf Jesus. And then he and Joe came out of the house, and I never want to smell that on my little brother ever again. It was like he'd rolled in spunk, and Kelly and I were gagging because what the fuck... We gave him so much shit for it. That, that was a good day. I'll cut it off there. Yay. <laughs> this is so good. I 
in case people don't know, it's very weird to hear your own words read back to you, mm-hmm. especially when they're done performed so wonderfully like they do, like they are with Kurt. And um, It's also uh, weird to be it, reading those words to the author of those words. Right. Just yeah, in case anybody totally else true. wants to know. That is also very strange. Yeah, that would be. I didn't even think about that. But that's that's just. Uh, I can't believe this book is finally freaking coming out, man. Good job, man. That was so good. Thank good. you. Thank you. I'm so happy that I chose you that one day a long, Me long time ago. Too, because I have a whole name. I don't even remember. I have a whole cre- like career now because you did that. Nah, you have that because you are very good at what you do. Look, it's the TJ and Kurt self-appreciation yeah. hour. Hooray. Yeah. <laughs> but no, I mean, I've told you this and I've said it on the podcast, but like you gave me my first shot and, and sure things could have ended up where they ended up another way, but you have a following that embraced me and that got me more gigs and so on and so forth. Like I, I have been able to grow because you kept trusting me and more and more people kept finding my work and hiring me and making it possible for me to make this my full-time job. And, you know, now I have, I have my beautiful booth and my private office and like so many great things have happened because, because you took a chance on this schmuck from Wisconsin who had never done anything and, and just thought, Maybe I know about this gay wolf book, and I'll try that. <laughs> that is that is that is absolutely correct. That is, you know, it really just boils down to to the readership that this this, this series has had. It's been like, honest to God, I did not expect this series to reach the heights that I have. Like for for real, you know, you obviously you hope and you wish that every book you put out is going to be a rousing success, and and um. And, and and then when it when it actually happens, you're like, oh, maybe it won't ever happen again. I was very lucky that my first book came out and 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 did what it did. And it's each time I put a new book out, though, I always think, okay, what if my last book was the most successful I'll ever have? Or what if what if this is the one book that crashes and burns, and then everybody's like, oh no, he's not to buy. Even even with even with brothers all coming out, look. I already know how many people have pre-ordered it. And there's a mm-hmm. lot of people wanting to read this book, but at the same time, at the back of my head, there's a little voice that says, oh no, what if this is the book where they're all like, screw you, TJ Pitchfork's Mark. At certain points during the book, they will be thinking that, sir. Yeah. <laughs> but if they don't, if they don't put it down, if they make it till the end... I, I think they will agree with me that it is as successful, if not more, than every other book you've written, and it is a worthy ending to the Green Creek series. I think so too. And look, I'm gonna I'm gonna toot my own horn here for a second because this ending, I don't know if y'all realize this. The kind of pressure it is to write a book like again, first world problems, remember this. The kind of pressure it is, you feel that pressure even if you're trying hard not to focus on it. You feel that pressure at the back of your head, you thinking, Okay, you know, for a long time, I knew that Carter was everyone's favorite character. For the most part, yes, you had, you had, you know, people who were fans of the other characters as well and, and great and vocal numbers. But the one I heard the most about was Carter. I heard Carter, 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 Carter. Really? And, oh, yeah. Wow. Oh, yeah. It's, 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 it's even, even in Wolf Song, where, you know, Carter is definitely not the focus. He's in large parts of it, but he is definitely not the focus. Um, I, I heard that. I heard that from the very beginning. Like one of the first questions I was ever asked, I'll never forget this. One of the first questions that I was asked, like the day Wolf Song came out, I got an email from somebody saying, please tell me you're writing Carter's book. <laughs> nothing about Wolf Song. Nothing about Wolf Song, nothing about Ox or Joe or any of those characters. Like literally the first line of the email was, please tell me you're writing a book with Carter as a character. And I, I, I kind of knew, you know, I, 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 I kind of knew, you know, what he meant to people and, 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 you know, this, this, this sort of background side character who, who always had a funny quip and, and there's, I still felt this kind of pressure though, because if he is a lot of people's favor, what if you screw it up and, mm-hmm. and, um, it doesn't turn out very good. 
But, you know, I wouldn't have written the book if I didn't think I could do it. Yeah. And it was a trial and error process. Some of the things that I tried to do didn't work. And so I had to, I had to redo a few things, but you know what? I'm damn proud of this book. I am damn proud of this, this book. I'm damn proud of this series. I'm damn proud of you. I'm damn proud of me. <laughs> I'm damn proud of everybody watching. Even yes. if you haven't done anything today, I'm proud of you. Because, you know, I, I can't believe that it's, it's, it's four years later. And the last book is coming out. Like, I can't believe that. I can't believe that that's actually here. I felt a similar dissonance or disassociation or something when the last Bear Otter and the Kid book came out. I felt kind of something similar when the last Baradia book came out, even though I knew I was going to keep on going with it. But this is, this is like dialed up to an 11. This is like something completely different. And I just don't know um, how, how, it is how I'm going to deal with this. Like, you know, I still have tomorrow Yeah. and we still have, I still have all day tomorrow, but then I'm going to wake up on Wednesday and I won't have that <laughs> anymore. And I, I don't know how I've said goodbye to this yet, or even if I have, I don't know. Well, it could be, it could be one of those things where I'm like, ha ha, two years later, remember me? Yeah. Right. <laughs> I know. It. Well, the thing is, though, like maybe my impression is off, but it seems like people are still discovering this series every day. Mm-hmm. And so yeah, that's, a large portion of it is thanks to this house in the Cerulean Sea mm-hmm. with all these and the extraordinary influx of new readers coming in and saying, you know, what else has this person written? And Wolf's Song is my highest rated book now underneath the the house in the Cerulean Sea. So that's where people are glomming towards. Mm-hmm. And you know, it's it's weird. <laughs> I don't I don't know why, but I've heard from people who've read The House in the Cerulean Sea, they've gone two directions after they finished that. They've either gone to Wolfstone or they've gone to the lightning struck heart. <laughs> and coming from the house in the Cerulean Sea, which <laughs> is like all warm and fuzzy and and sweet and everything's fine, going to Wolfstone, which is, you know, okay, there's a lot more angst. They go into the lightning struck part where like a, a dragon rims a unicorn and uses the main character's name as a safe word. <laughs> I can't believe I got that book published. <laughs> I can. I can. The world needed it. Uh, <laughs> so I think what I was going to say is I just think the journey for you, even if you don't write any more books like this journey, the green Creek journey, it's not over. Like it has a life of its own. People are still discovering the book. I think you will spend the rest of your life hearing from people who have found it for the first time and it will still be relevant and it will still be good. And it will still be appreciated by new readers, readers who are, who are discovering your work as kids who will come of age and find your older work in time. Like, and that's such a testament to what you do, which is that you write in a whole bunch of different genres and you write for a whole bunch of different audiences. And as they grow and change and mature, they can find the other work that you've already done and the new work that you're still creating. You're still knocking these books out three a year, you goddamn bastard. Um, four next year, man. Okay. Oh, I stand corrected. I'm sorry, TJ. Uh, four next year for anybody who didn't know that. Um, you know, yeah. trying to pay the guy a compliment. He just like, no, oh, no, wait, it, it wasn't if enough. If you're paying me a compliment, I have to make sure you're doing it correctly. Right, I mean, accurately, yeah. <laughs> if you're going to be complimenting me, you might as well get it right, right? Yeah. Uh, but the other thing I wanted to say about that is that you know, I love these books and I love these characters and I feel in supremely invested in them and like I have some ownership over them, but I know I am not in like the top 500 of people who love these books. Like uh-huh. there are fans who are so adamant about their love for this series and these people and they have thought about them to a degree that even I can't fathom. Um, uh-huh. And so, again, I just think... It's it's going to have a life of its own. It's it's spawned fan fiction and original characters and like people have re- like they are they are building so out the world. So much, so much art. art so beautiful to see. I, I I love 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 seeing 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 uh, reader art and put into it. But and and there's been some for each one of my books. But 
by far the most has always been from this series. And I just love it. Okay, we have like six, seven minutes left. Okay. So if you have questions, now would probably be a good time to start asking the questions because um, Justin's book, that comes out next year. It's called The Damning Stone. But it is it is the second Verania book coming next year. The next the next um, the first Verania book coming next year is a collection of short stories called Fairy Tales from Verania, and it's basically me writing fan fiction of my own books and putting the characters into Disney-fied fairy tales. So it is um, going to be cool. Kurt, any tears while narrating? Yes, as you know there are tears yes. while reading every single day. Every- Every single day. Mm-hmm. Sometimes yeah, multiple times a day. Oh my god! I had a. F- I think day three was a five tissue day. <laughs> like I, it was a it was a, a long day. Day three, there was a lot that happened, and there's so much like I it, sentimental. Like I don't want to scare people. It's not all bad, scary stuff that happens. It's also just sometimes these quiet little moments that make you realize, like, oh, this is the end. And then I'd have to stop to weep quietly for a little bit and then go back. Did the Bennett start all those fires in Oregon? No, that's rude. Oh. Why would they do that? No, unless it was Carter. Maybe. Who is, who, okay, Kurt, who is your favorite character from the Green Creek series? Elizabeth. Good choice. Good choice. Mine is Gordo. Um, TJ, you like my tweet today about Christian Navarro as Rico. Oh, you're welcome. Cool. (laughs) I don't know who Christian Navarro is, but I probably liked it because I like you. Okay. Um, Who is my baby from the series? Gordo. Will there be a second House in the Cerulean Sea book? Oh, my God. Stop. (laughs) I mean, no, I don't know. Well, that's that's it. We're done. You know know what series that's not in? Green Creek. Right. That is not in Green Creek. Mm-hmm. That is not in Green Creek. Um, how do you manage to get through reading Brother's Song Without Crying? We, well, he didn't. I don't. He very said he died. I got choked up, too, even. I, I, I'll just say the last 50 pages were, holy crap. Am I going to cry with this book? Yes, yes, yes. And there's is different there levels of crying. There's like being still being able to talk while crying and like getting some work done. And I think you can probably hear it when that happens when you're listening to the book that I'm talking through tears. But then there's like the mm-hmm. oh, I need to stop crying. Yeah, yeah. No, I could totally feel that. Um, will Joe and Ox adopt? Um, I, I guess we don't know. Puppies. Um, which character are you most proud of now that you've finished the series? Kelly Bennett. Because Kelly Bennett was a middle child, and Kelly Bennett was so much stronger than everybody gave him credit for. And um, uh, you know what? I remember a lot of people saying, oh, I don't know if Robbie's book, Robbie Kelly's book is going to be any good. I don't want Kelly's book. I don't want Robbie's book. I want Carter's book. And then when it came out, everybody was like, oh, my God, I love Kelly. I love love Robbie. And I was like, you know what? I know the people who love them first. I know that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Please tell us there's a book from Gavin's perspective. Nope. What if instead of this being the last book, there was actually a fifth book? Nope. Kurt, how much research goes into your voice narrative? Does that make sense? For this series, very little because I had no no idea what I was doing with the first book, and then I just had to stick to a lot of those decisions. So, was there a decision that you regretted, like really, really badly at all? That you made in the first book that you had to continue with the second, third, and fourth? No, I think the only one I would have changed in the first book was Richard Collins. I think I leaned into his like monster voice a little more than I would now with more perspective. Okay, that's. That's interesting. That's actually really cool to think about. Um, I think I would have found more of his humanity with time to do it, but. When will we have the entire series in Spanish next year? Because the first two are already out in Spanish, and then the, second, the Heart Song and Brother Song are being published by VR Editoris uh, next year. Um, write a short story, please. Nope. Um, I can't believe people said that about Kelly. I know. Kurt, how do you maintain the voices? Uh, lots of water 
and I listen to myself as I record. So if I start to drift, I try to catch myself and stop. Are, did you find that awkward at all, having to listen to yourself, like the playback of yourself? I got used to it after about 20 books. Did you? Yeah, so okay. I'm, I'm, I'm used to my voice now. I don't hate it as much as I used to. Um, is there going to be a box set? Um, we're talking about doing one next year. Ooh, cool. Who is Gary's favorite Green Creek couple? Um, probably Robbie and Ox. They're not a real couple, but he would ship them anyways. <laughs> um, are there any plans to be published in Brazil? Well, there needs to be a Brazilian publisher um, that wants to do it. Um, will you ever come to Argentina after the pandemic? Yes, I hope so. I was actually just talking about that with the, the, the VR publisher about wanting to come there after the pandemic is um, done. Kurt, how many times do you play back each section? Um, uh, this complicated answer, uh, the whole section, zero. I never listen back to the whole thing anymore. I send it out to somebody else to proof and edit. Um, so I only hear the little six seconds for when I have to punch back in and I hear like the last six seconds of what I recorded so I can make a natural transition and then I continue. But I never go back and listen to the whole thing. Anymore. Kurt, your favorite book series that aren't my books. I think maybe they're talking about to record. Oh, uh, oh, there's so many I love. I'm going to say uh, the Lavender Shore series because I've been with them for so long. And who's the author? Uh, Rosalind Dable, who's actually Brandon uh, Witt. Brandon Witt, yeah, mm-hmm. okay. I just want to move there. And that's the Lavender Shore series. Yep. And how many books are there? Nine have come out. Nine. Have you done the 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 narration for all of them? Yes. Kurt, have you read Verania yet? You did. You, you listened to Michael's. I have that, listened right? to three and a half books. I think I still have about half of the last one to get through. Mm-hmm. Not get through. That makes it sound like it's a chore, but I just don't have time to listen. Yeah. Will you translate the series to Hebrew? That's a first. Oh. I suppose there would need to be a Hebrew publisher that would be interested in something like that. Would you want these to be made into movies? No. I want it to be made into a TV show, 10 episodes a season six seasons, 60 episodes total, beginning, middle, and end. With nudity and um, swearing. Yes, with so much nudity. <laughs> um, how many times do you have to read the book or the chapters to actually have a voice for everyone? Yeah, how many times did you read, say, Brother Song, for example? Twice. I used to have to do it more, but now I can do just one read-through, and then I can start recording. Hi, Ellie. Sorry, it's just a heck. Hi. Um, hi. Um, TJ, hardest book you've ever written? Probably Into This River I Drowned, given the subject matter, or Raven Song, because that was a pain in my ass to try to write. Who did you find was the hardest to write? Gordo, Raven Song, because that was. Um, thing you like most about the series being so popular? All the freaking fan art, man. I just, yeah. I love, 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 love people's interpretation of, of the art that they do. Um, it just, it, it makes me so happy to be able to see all of that. Okay. And um, there's, and a, there's a, a page a on the Clunatics Podcast website with all the artists if you want to go find them there, folks. Oh, okay. What's the website? Clunaticspodcast.com. Cool. Okay. So that looks like we're going to wrap it up because it's going to start counting me down pretty soon. Mm-hmm. Um, when you write How to Be Three, knock it off. No, I'm not going to write another book in that series. TJ, do you ever read DMs? No, I do not. If you need to get in touch with me, you need to email me because I do not check direct messages because of dick pics and weirdos that send me their pictures of their penises. I told you I'm sorry. Jeez. I know, but I just was expecting it to, you know, <laughs> I was just like, well, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? Anyways. Thank you all for tuning in and watching. Thank you, Kurt, for being here with me tonight and enjoying us. And tomorrow, I just hope that you guys enjoy it. I hope that you take it um, with as much love and care that I did when I wrote it, because this story is, is very, very precious to me, and it's very important to me, and I love I love these characters more and more and more. Today, I'm happy. Tomorrow, I'm probably going to feel even happier, but then on Wednesday, I'm going to feel really sad for a little bit because 
it's weird to think that this is done with these characters and it's going to be shot. So Kurt, any last words you want to say while we're here? I think you should be very proud of the work that you did. And I'm incredibly proud of the work I've gotten to do for you and with you. So thank you. Yeah, you should be hella proud because it's, it's tremendous, tremendous, tremendous what you've done. And it is, it is, um, absolutely delightful. So now four more hours until the book comes out, if you're going to be up staying late. So if you do, I wish you happy reading. If you're going to read it tomorrow, I wish you happy reading and, um, just go run with the wolves one more time. Okay. Okay. We're going to say goodbye. Everybody. Thank you for joining. Um, Kurt will be posting this. If you want to hear it later, Kurt will be posting it on, um, you can go to any of your podcasters and, and search Clunatics podcast and it should pop up yep. okay guys Kurt I'll talk to you later everybody else I'll see you when I see you probably first thing in the morning where we scream about brother song finally being <laughs> okay bye guys bye everybody bye